take a girl and a guy and they fall madly in love and form a family. Sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate, a dream of transforming relationships as we know it. And 20 years later, we give you power couple Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is their podcast, Couples Synergy. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. Hi, I'm Dr. Ray. And I'm Jean. And this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships. Please check us out online at couplesynergy.com or on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Couple Synergy. And please subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. Keep in mind that this podcast is broadcasted live every Monday at 6 p.m. Central Time on Facebook, YouTube, and LinkedIn. So join our discussion with questions or just to say hi. And now on to Couple Synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships, where we bring your experience helping thousands of couples transform their relationships for over 25 years. You know, everyone says you should work on your relationship, but nobody teaches us how. So we've created this podcast to teach people what they can do to create the relationship they've always dreamed of. With the partner they fell in love with. Greetings from Howdy. Western Colorado. <laughs> Howdy. Howdy. As, as we, what is it? What time is it? It's, uh, six o'clock central time. We got the sunset coming through the window here and casting this beautiful stained glass light all throughout the uh, the saloon. So today, uh, as you can see, we've got our little, I'll get up, our get up on. Is that what you call it? I think that's what you call it. <laughs> our get up, our get up on. And uh, we're going to be talking about what couples should learn from the code of the West. I think it's kind of people in general. Yes, people in general. Mm -hmm which we are going to allude to, right? Yeah. That men and women should be learning from this code of the West. Um, the code of the West, well, I, I was doing some research on that. One of the first things we that. do out here is we cheers before we drink. Oh, so cheers. Cheers. And to anyone else on the Hill who's doing a little, uh, a little bourbon, you know, you got to fit with the Western saloon theme, right? Hmm. <laughs> it kicks you. So <laughs> we were going to be talking about the code of the West. And, you know, the, I was doing a little research about it <clears throat> and found out that the code of the West was something that was never written down. Mm. It was always just kind of passed along by, by word of mouth. Um, and, and the thing is that laws differed throughout different parts of a state and also across state lines. So people would break the laws in one state and follow the laws in another state. So it wasn't anything that was universal, but the code of the West was universal. Okay. All right. Let's hear it. So are we going to go over the actual code of the West? Yeah. Okay. So, and then what we're going to do is we're going to go over kind of a modern translation of it, mm -hmm. but the cow cowboy code of the West, one was never pass anyone on the trail without saying, howdy. And when approaching someone from behind, give a loud greeting before you get within pistol shot. Don't wave at a man on a horse. It might spook the horse and the man will think you're an idiot. A nod is the proper greeting. After you pass someone on the trail, don't look back at him. It implies you don't trust him. Riding another man's horse without his permission is nearly as bad as making love to his wife. 
Never even bother another man's horse. Never shoot an unarmed man. Never shoot a woman at all. A cowboy is pleasant even when out of sorts. Complaining is what quitters do, and cowboys hate quitters. Always be courageous. Cowards aren't tolerated in any outfit worth its salt. A cowboy always helps someone in need, even a stranger or an enemy. When you leave town after a weekend of carousing, it's perfectly all right to shoot your six guns in the air, whoop like crazy, and ride your horse as fast as you can. It's called hurrahing a town. A horse thief may be hung preemptorily. Never try on another man's hat. Never wake another man by shaking or touching him. He might wake up suddenly and shoot you. Real cowboys are modest. A braggart who is all gurgle and no guts is not tolerated. A cowboy doesn't talk much. He saves his breath for breathing. No matter how weary and hungry you are after a long day in the saddle, always tend to your horse's needs before your own and get your horse some feed before you eat. And the last one is cuss all you want, but only around men, horses, and cows. So that is the traditional cowboy code of the West. And what's interesting is that uh, an author by the name of Jim Owens, he wrote a book in 2004 called Cowboy Ethics, What Wall Street Can Learn from the Code of the West. And he kind of put a little modern uh, spin on the cow cowboy code, code of the West. And so he came up with 10 different ones. One is live each day with courage. You know, that's a very interesting thing. I don't think we ask our children to have much courage these days. <laughs> no, because everything has to be safe. You know, you mm -hmm. have to make sure that everyone is tethered up and and then and there's and the protected. bumpers yep. so that, you know, kids don't get hurt. They don't fall down. But the problem is, is that, you know, if you don't push yourself to have courage to do something difficult, then you're never really going to feel the reward of that, the reward of success. I like the feeling of doing something courageous right before doing it. You know, like we went hunting this weekend and right before we went, it was, it was so exciting, just the potential and the wondering what it was going to be like and being outside of the known. And it's such a great feeling. And I feel sad that people don't get to experience that. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, you know, when we say we went hunting this weekend, it's like we've never hunted before in, you know, the 50 years I've been alive. I, I've never hunted. And so far, hiking no is much harder. <laughs> but we didn't get anything. I, well, so. we didn't get anything. So I would say <laughs> we, don't know we that weren't really yet. successful. But you just are there. But, you know, it took a lot of courage to do something that we've never done before and to learn mm -hmm. about it, you know, and we're actually we're going back out tomorrow and Wednesday as well. So, you know, wish us luck. And there's there's Caliente. Thank you. It's hey, Cal. a little cowboy, <laughs> little bit cowboy hat there. All right. So the next uh, cowboy ethics code of the West was take pride in your work. Work ethic is gone. Yeah. Yep. Work ethic is gone. I think I saw that there was a map actually that showed how many states or all the states and the highest percentages of people who quit. Like in what state was that? I think Arizona was like top 
like number one or something quitters. like that. Yeah. Top quitters. Where they have a lot of people quitting their jobs. Yeah. That <clears throat> the day and age of, you know, staying until retirement that is, does not exist anymore. And, you know, I, I get it. Corporations are not loyal either uh, to, to people, but. But even, the, even in taking work. pride in, in not something you're necessarily getting paid for. Yeah. You know, like I made this stained glass window and if I look at it too much and see my imperfections, it's not the best feeling, but it is something I'm very proud of making. And it's, it, it's a big piece of a stained glass. It's really huge. And, um, and that always feeds you again and again and again, when you take pride in what you're doing, it comes back to you. If you half-ass it, can I say that? Half-ass Sure. It? You know, then talking about donkeys. you don't care. Nobody else cares. And when you come back to check it out, you still won't care. You have to protect yourself from that feeling of not doing your best. And you have to expect that if you take pride in your work or that you work hard at something that you want to do, you, you don't know how to do, you're always going to get people who have some type of judgment or criticism about it. That's just guaranteed. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like one of the things we've started doing is, is cooking. And we both enjoy cooking for our neighbors who are our guinea pigs. And we're, we are not, we haven't really cooked in our whole lives except for in the last couple of months we've been trying to do that. And, and there's a, a nice pride to it. And of course, all the neighbors are very um, lovely in compliments, whether they believe it or not, which is part of the ethics code, right? Of the cowboy code. Oh yeah. And they were complaining yeah. or something. Yeah. Let's see that, that, Oh, okay. Number three is always finish what you start. Yeah, that's huge. For sure. Mm -hmm. Right. And I look around and I see a bunch of projects that are not done. Yeah, <laughs> it drive me insane. <laughs> yes. Uh, because if you finish what you start, you're going to reap the rewards of that feeling of success, mm -hmm. the feeling of accomplishment. Um, number four was do what has to be done. How many times do people shy away from doing something that needs to be done because it's tough or because they're going to face judgment or face criticism? You know, when you pass by something in the house where you look and you see that needs to be done and you take that initiative to go in and to do it, that is something that you are, you're scoring points with yourself. It's like that cowboy song. If it's hungry, feed it. If it's thirsty, give it water. If it's yeah, whatever. And it's like, if it needs to get done, get done. And I would say you actually inspire me a lot with that. I don't know if it mm. feels the same way for you, but um, we both are, we're both pretty good at doing what needs to get done. And yeah, I would say so. And whether you're doing what needs to get done at the same time, I'm doing what needs to get done. I always feel like I want to participate and be, step by step with you along the way, as opposed to, you know, some of the couples we work with and you hear the competition and, and no one's competing to get it all done. Everyone's competing to what did I do and or, how much is or the honey do list, right? right? Mm -hmm. So one partner's telling the other person what needs to get done and the other person is just complying. Yeah. Right. And so that's not an equal partnership. That is a, a you know, that's a mother child or that's a, you know, parent child relationship where there is not equality. It is a reaction because I will find myself telling you stuff to do. 
Because in my head, it's like, if this gets done, this gets done. And you might be doing it in a different order. And then I have to like check myself and be like, stop telling you what to but do. But then also I might say something too. And I'll be like, yeah. hey, you know, I'm doing these things here. Yeah. You know, you just told me five things to do in the, in the last <laughs> two minutes. But it's hard not to. It's hard not to put on the um, drill sergeant hat. And well, it, you know, that's that's something to really keep in mind is that in a relationship, you know, the hierarchy, where's my hands? The hierarchy <laughs> is not a good thing, right? That's right. where you're going to create a power differential in the relationship. It's one thing if you're working like partners, say, hey, I'll take care of this, I'll take care of this. And then in that way, both of you are creating something together. And it's another thing if you're telling your partner what to do because you have something on your agenda that needs to get done. Yes. So the next one is be tough, but fair. You know, I get criticized for that a bit. About being tough? Yes. Or about being unfair? No, not about being unfair, but about being tough. You, you know, the work we do, people might think the work we do is to coddle people or to agree with them or to soothe them, but it really is to be tough with them because the person screwing your life up the most is you. And you'll have a bunch of people in your life that tell you it's okay. Get down and stay down. You know, you fell, stay down. Cause if you get up, you're going to fall again. And, you know, I really see our job as like helping people get to that next level. And I remember that one time we were hiking and you fell in the river. Mm, yeah. And I was like, get out of the <clears throat> river. And you felt like I wasn't very compassionate. <laughs> at that moment, which I wasn't, but I knew you had to get out of that river. It was night. It was getting cold. And, and if you sat there and started to freak out, that would have been a worse situation than getting out of there and then reassessing where you were at. And a lot of times in life, when we feel overwhelmed with something, we feel anxious, we feel maybe uncertain if we can accomplish something. It really, man, a little bit of encouragement from another person will fill that tank up and you'll just go. And I remember people saying that either on the trail or before we'd, we'd start a hike and, and they would say those little words, you've got this. Well, you know, that, that makes me think of the term cowboy up, mm -hmm. you know, and some people know what that term means, but it's used to encourage someone to become stronger or tougher know, in response to a challenging situation. So it's evolved to mean being mentally and physically prepared to tackle challenging or dangerous tasks. And it's used as a verb, motivating someone to confront challenges head on and with determination. So cowboy up can be used, you know, in many ways of, of motivating someone, right? Getting someone to, to dig deep. Cowboy up. It almost sounds like a little twist of shame, but in the right direction. It's like saying to a person, you, you're, you, you're capable of more than you're doing right now mm -hmm. and dig a little bit deeper and find out what you're made of. And that is the most amazing feeling in the world is when you do accomplish something you weren't sure you could do when you started doing it. And that, that challenge of like, don't let weakness in you rule the show. Don't, don't let naysayers don't let, you know, the world's always going to be a, a force that wants to keep you down. But every time you rise above that, you, you get resilience and 
tenacity and all sorts of things that feel great in the world. Unfortunately, the reason why we're talking about this topic today is that our society is not producing people who cowboy up. Right. Right. We are, in fact, there is a study that is, um, that's coming out this year for, in the journal of pediatrics where their thesis was the decline in independent activity as a cause of decline in children's mental well-being, right? And so they are attributing this increase in children mental uh, mental health problems, mm -hmm. right? Um, as uh, it, you know, it is combined with this de decline in independent activity. So meaning that kids are not doing things independently on their own. They're being chaperoned by parents. They, they have adults that are accompanying them in these activities. And so because of that, there is this increase of anxiety, this, this decrease in self-sufficiency and the ability to, to learn resilience and grow your self-esteem because you've done something that you weren't sure you could do. Right. I was thinking about that. I was kind of smiling because I'm thinking about all the dumb stuff I did as a kid because my parents weren't watching. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that's <laughs> sometimes you fall out of a tree but, and it really you hurts, learn, right? but you, you learn, learn and you have to deal with it on your own. Yeah because you don't have an adult there to take the responsibility. And you knew you it. risked something you probably shouldn't have. So you better cowboy up and figure out how to get yourself out of that situation. Cowboy up. <laughs> and it's always when you're by yourself. It's right. always when, you know, sh should I or shouldn't I? And like, okay, I'm going to go for it. And um, mostly, well, I don't think anything. I, I fell in a river once through ice, but it was only like to my knee. <laughs> that might have been... <laughs> The most dangerous one. So number six is when you make a promise, keep it. Yeah. How many how many uh, terms have kind of come about in this day and age that refer to um, someone not keeping the promise? Like ghosting, you know, that is like canceling you start cancel culture, right? Where, you know, someone is. They're not living up to their own integrity. They say, I'm going to do something, but then when it gets tough or or they change their mind, they just say, they don't even say anything. They don't they even say, they don't even say that anything. I, I yeah. can't do this anymore. No, it's they just ghost, right? And and so this is one of those codes that is really important, right? You make a promise, you keep it. You know, if you had to face every decision you made and everything that you did and you knew with 100% certainty, the impact that that had on another person, especially if it hurt them. And one of the most anxiety producing and painful things in being in a relationship is when someone doesn't say what they mean, mean what they say and do what they say. And this idea of keeping your promise, it would change the world completely. And we don't see promises kept from the top all the way down. And Whenever we're on the receiving end of that, it's a horrible feeling. And so the way, I think the way people have just responded is they've stopped making promises. And, you know, getting married is a promise. Mm -hmm. It's a vow. And people have stopped because they watched yeah. their parents break that vow or they yeah. watched other people. And, you know, we're not saying that isn't appropriate at times. It absolutely is. But I think some of the couples that we've worked with, they were like, we want to give this one last shot. We want to make sure that this relationship is actually over before we 
dismantle everything. And there's a lot to be said for that. There's a lot to be said for knowing when, when to fold them and when to hold them. <laughs> to right. quote the gambler. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and um, this this keeping your promises is big. And if if you really knew the impact of your words when you say yes, I I will come to your party and not show up, or I will be there for you and not be there whatever the thing is, it's very, very painful. And it, it makes us all feel disconnected and much more anxious and sad and uncertain in the world. The, this next modified code of the West here, um, I don't really understand. I do. Maybe we talk it through, right? Yeah. Number seven was ride for the brand. So ride for the brand. Like so, Gucci? Gucci yeah. brand? Yeah. So one thing human beings can do that nothing else on the planet does is we can align around a flag mm. or a brand or a high school or a, you know, we moved from Chicago to here and you're still a Bears fan. And, you yeah, know, but, but that's not your blood. It's not your, it doesn't do anything to save your life, especially, well, they did go to last week, so I can't say anything else, but we can unite around something like a brand. And when you do that, you're part of something. And one thing that we talk about all the time is the only thing in the end that matters are your relationships. Absolutely. And that's what they mean by the brand. Whatever your brand is, whether you're part of a, a town, whether you're part of a Hill family. Mm. Hill family. Right. Or a family or. I wonder how many of Hill family are with. watching. Just <laughs> say hi. That would be interesting. So, you know, like whoever. Whoever you're calling your people, <coughs> that's your brand, right? That's yeah. And and if you're giving it your all, you know, we used to do this with couples, and we'd have them sit back to back, and make them stand up. And the way they're going to stand up is if they push on each other, and they can stand up. If they don't push on each other, they're either going to fall. And if everyone is doing their best to push up, we all rise. All ships ride with the tide. Fortunately, everyone is not trustworthy or trusting these days. Right. Number eight is talk less and say more. All right. I think this is a great one because how many people out there are just right with their words and not really saying much. Right. Look at politics today. You know, I, I remember doing workshops earlier, you know, 20 years ago and, um, I learned this concept that at any given moment, one person in the room has the highest thought. And if someone's very anxious, they either won't share that thought or they will start to feed on the group energy and keep talking and talking and talking and talking. And they're not certainly don't have the highest thing to say in that moment. And the whole group will tune out and it destroys it. And you, you will see people who just monologue. They can't even dialogue and they just, and it, it is um, really important to choose our words wisely, even in the four agreements, that book that we have everyone read. He says, don't, don't speak unless you're asked a question. And well, really, wow. And be impeccable with your word. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So mean what you say, say what you mean. And, you know, we both did 10 days worth of silence and it's incredible how much more connected and how much more you learn and grow when you listen. Which, by the way, thanks for listening today. <laughs> um, 
Number nine was remember that some things aren't for sale. How about that? That's a huge one, right? It's like, don't sell yourself. Don't sell yourself short and realize that sometimes you're not to be bought. Don't compromise. You know, this whole code of the West really speaks about integrity. And we are not teaching integrity, you know, to our younger generations. And they are really left on their own to figure it out. And they're erring on the side of caution, but to a detriment. Mm -hmm. And, and I think people don't even know themselves well enough to even know that they're selling themselves. And it's kind of like, well, everyone's doing it. Well, who wants everyone to be doing it? And, and who is, who are, who are they? You know, Carolyn Mason, that workshop that I'm teaching, she talks about the archetypes and one that we all face is the prostitute, mm. which is defined as anytime we compromise our spiritual integrity for physical safety, including wanting people to like and accept us. And it is a tough thing to do in these human bodies and to not sell ourselves. Stop. And everything online in the media, in our society is pushing us to do that, mm-hmm. right? How many, how many people are going online and selling themselves for likes, for attention, for some type of validation? Yeah, it's not even money. And it's not even money. That has become our currency today, by the way, people, is attention. Mm-hmm. And remember, if you're online and it's free, you're the product. So number 10 is, I think this goes hand in hand with number nine, is know where to draw the line, right? That's a really tough thing. Uh, it is really tough because it's arbitrary, right? <clears throat> it, it is not something where there's, a, a, there's a, a rule book on where you should draw the line, but it really takes getting to know yourself and understanding where you begin and where you end and understand, you know, where your integrity and your values are so that you could say, you know what, this is it. This is a line that I'm drawing. You know, when I was doing that presentation for women on perfection and I was talking about shame and what happens with shame is when there's a group that has an alignment, we were talking about that alignment around a flag or a town or something. If if you have an opposing thought to the group, opposing belief, and, and, and especially if it's in your integrity, what you risk is being rejected by the group. And if you're rejected by the group, that's what shame is. Mm-hmm. Shame is you don't belong. And, and it fragments the group if there's a double, enough people on both sides of it, which is a lot what we see in our culture today is, is these big divides. And that is the risk of knowing where to draw your line and, and being willing to risk going it alone because it's the right thing for you, even if you're rejected by everyone else. So it's not an easy thing to do, but in the end you will find that you rise to a different place and surround yourself with those like-minded people and, and it's worth it in the end. And in the, and I always say like, this is why in all those like, movies, action movies, the bad guys always lose. They always lose because they don't trust each other. They can't trust each other. They turn on each other. Unless they get away and there's a sequel coming. Well, but they're always <laughs> they're always battling each other right. because they don't have a code of ethics. They don't, they don't have 
Right. You know, if you can steal from this person, you can steal from, from your partner, you know? What so, is there? No honor amongst thieves. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. There we have it. Well, you know, this has been uh, a really important topic that we wanted to talk about because, you know, we're just seeing so much of it today and people struggling, not knowing where to draw the line, how to set boundaries in the relationships, how to honor themselves, how to find their integrity and live by it. It was one of the, the codes and it was help someone, even if they're a stranger and even if they're an enemy. And I love that because we really do need each other in the world. And when we find an enemy, it is because we have an opposing belief. And that opposing belief, if we don't still see that person as human, we lose our own humanity. And when we have an opportunity to reach out and help someone who has hurt us, who has offended us in some way, who has encroached on a boundary, whatever the thing is, when we can reach back and help that person and see them as human, boy, that makes us so wonderful. And I'd rather be the person reaching out to my enemy than someone who needs help from my enemy, which is hard to receive, but there's a lot of healing in that. And, and that's a really hard thing to do. And you, know, you think about anyone that might feel like an enemy in your life. And if you were there at the moment of their greatest tragedy in their life, what would you do? What are you made of? So keep the, these codes, these cowboy ethical codes in mind when you're talking about when we're talking about relationships, because it, it really applies here, right? If you're living each day with courage, if you're taking pride in your work, if you're always finishing what you started, if you do what has to be done, if you're tough but fair, if you wanna if you make a promise to your partner, keep it, you ride for your brand, you talk less, say more, remember that some things aren't for sale and know where to draw the line. And if both of you are doing that in your relationship, then you are going to be feeding your relationship. You're not going to be defending yourself and your own beliefs, but you're going to be striving for something that is common. You know, that's what I was uh, kind of coming to my mind when you're reading that list is this isn't about someone else governing you. No, no. This is about self-discipline, self-integrity, <clears throat> and choosing who to be in this world. And you know, what you put out comes back to you. And I think we are so consumed with rules and, and doing what others think about us. So that article that you had pulled up about kids not having an opportunity to find out what they're made of because they're always following someone else's rules. Yeah. They, they can never find their own, the word mensch, right? That Jewish word that says like, the best that you can be. And, you know, human beings at their core have a kindness and a goodness about them that we like to protect and turn into little horrible creatures when we get wounded. But that is really what's at our, at our core. And unfortunately it becomes corrupted, you know, if we allow hate to, to grow in our hearts and, you know, especially within your relationship, your intimate relationship, or all of your relationships with your parents, with your siblings, with your extended family. Always keep in mind that in each relationship, 
person contributes equally to the condition of that relationship. There's never one person more at fault than the other. And so looking at the code of the West and whether you're living up to that code, whether you're doing your best on that, that half of your relationship, that is what you have power and control over changing. And you don't have power and control over changing other people. Even when no one's looking. So I hope all you guys out there have been wearing your your cowboy gear uh, in, you know, in, in alignment with the code of the West. Look at that. I can hide my eyeballs. Well, that's the best Very way mysterious. to. Very mysterious. That's the best way to, to be a gunslinger is, you know, you keep your eyes hidden. Howdy. Just like that. <laughs> <laughs> so we want to thank all of you for, for joining us today on Couple Synergy. This is always a, a fun you know, thing for us to do, but our passion is in helping couples and people have happy and healthy relationships. And, and this podcast gives us a fun way of bringing our knowledge and expertise to you, our listeners. And for all of you listening, please let us know how you enjoyed the show. If you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, please email us at contact at couplesynergy.com. For more information about Couple Synergy and our programs such as Relationship 101, the home study course, the next Couples Relationship Enhancement Weekend, and our premier couples coaching program called Couple to Couple, look us up online at couplesynergy.com. Yeah, I just want to say... We've been working really hard to cowboy up to finish our book, which has been years in the writing and it's really coming along and it, it's something I'm becoming very proud of. And it was, it, it's hard to, cause there's no one motivating us to do it. It's just to get it done. And so stay tuned for that. We're, we're the manuscripts almost ready. So maybe six months and, till print. Well, you guys might've seen a couple eBooks gone out mm -hmm. and those are, you know, those are kind of like, uh, pieces of work that we've done over the years and this one this book that we're really working on this is the the flagship right this is really encompassing all of the work that we've done over 25 years um, and really sharing this these concepts with the world so look look out for that and we will do a, a formal book launching when that happens uh, in the meantime you can always stay in touch at couplesynergy.com and if you know someone who could benefit from this episode, please download it and share it. And thank you for listening. Until next time, synergize your life and synergize your life. You have been listening to Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Couple Synergy was recorded, edited, and produced by Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Voiceover and music entitled Breathe and Let Go was recorded and composed by Gina Gonzalez. Mm -hmm.